This is CJ Kinney for Esoterica, a short feature which delves into the realms of the extraordinary. And today I am pleased to present guest contributor Joyce Ray reading her piece, My Childhood Library, Freedom to Choose. My mother read to us every day. She read Golden Books, Honey Bunch, the Bobsy Twin series, Heidi, and Hans Brinker and the Silver Skates. She read much more, and lots of poetry, too. Eventually, I read these titles myself while I waited expectantly for the next Trixie Belden mystery. My most treasured book became Little Women, which I received for my twelfth Christmas in a beautifully illustrated edition. In the early 1960s, the young adult genre was non-existent. Hinton's The Outsiders had not yet appeared. After reading through Ginn-leveled readers and the SRA Reading Laboratory, we were free to choose. I loved historical fiction and devoured The Scarlet Letter, The Red Badge of Courage, Thomas Hardy, Dickens, George Eliot, and Dostoevsky. In English classes, we read plays like Death of a Salesman, Morning Becomes Electra, The Cherry Tree. We read Animal Farm, Lord of the Flies, and Of Mice and Men. But I longed for well-drawn-out scenes in romantic settings where characters fell in love against all odds. The search for story led me to my public library. It was a mile walk from home, first half-mile on a rural highway, and the second downhill across three bridges and into town. There was no second car, and for me, no mom with a driver's license anyway. Visiting after school at least made it a one-way trip. The Lawrence Public Library in Fairfield, Maine, was built of multicolored slate in hues of brown and gray, with a hip slate roof and granite arches over doorways and windows. A turreted tower on the right, beside the entrance, gave the building a fairy tale feel. After I pulled open the heavy oak door, a high checkout desk faced me. Although the stacks with their decorative wrought iron end supports were off to the right, Already I could smell the books, that slightly musty-in-a-good-way scent that seems to hover where books are anything but brand new. But the books also smelled of the rainforest in green mansions, the Russian aristocracy in Anna Karenina, the salty Pacific in Contiki, and the wind-swept moors in Jane Eyre. For me, the library was a multisensory experience. One library memory that stays with me is of the day I dipped my toe into forbidden waters. I handed our librarian a book I wanted to check out. Mrs. T., a lovely lady who watched me grow up in church, looked at the title, Lady Chatterley's Lover, peered at me over her specs with the chain draped around her neck, and asked, Does your mother know you are checking out this book? I went home with it tucked under my arm. In my first library, a white rotunda with the names of classic authors inscribed in gold overhangs the circulation desk like a literary umbrella. I never noticed until years later that all the names were of men. Of course, Emily Dickinson's posthumous book was published just ten years before the library was built, but Christina Rossetti and Elizabeth Barrett Browning are absent. It's too much to expect Phyllis Wheatley the first published African-American woman, to be up there. But two women did, and still do, 
figure prominently in the Lawrence Public Library. Addie and Alice, daughters of the man who made this public library possible. Addie Lawrence had started a collection of books which kept outgrowing the available spaces, so she convinced her father to donate a public library for the town in 1900. Addie and Alice's stained-glass window portraits welcome library visitors, and I checked on them regularly, imagining the lives of these girls almost 100 years older than me. What had they read? Because of Addie Lawrence's insatiable appetite for reading, my universe expanded. The world of ideas welcomed me, and I was free to choose.
You have been listening to guest contributor Joyce Ray reading her piece, My Childhood Library, Freedom to Choose. For Esoterica, this is CJ Kinney. Thanks for listening.